This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're talking about how God speaks to us in many different ways. The question is, are our ears open? Are our ears open to hear and to receive? It's amazing how many people say, well, God's never spoken to me. Have you ever just walking alone outside in the woods? You can't hear God? Your ears aren't open very far. <laughs> You're not listening. God can speak through anything, anywhere, anytime, no matter the circumstances. The question is, are we listening? Now, I was talking about how I, you know, I thought it would be great to start off our summer with an at-the-movie series. We've never done this before because so many times we see movies, and so many times these movies, because we can relate to them on a personal level, because many times they're based, they're based on somebody's life. There's real-life spiritual parallels that we can look at. And if we're listening, God will speak to us. I'm talking about how many times Sean and I walk out of a movie and we, we talk about certain scenes and go, man, one day I'm going to teach a message on that. That's awesome. Did you hear what he said? You know, because it's, there's sometimes just these powerful moments. And if we're listening, God will speak to us through it. These, we, we can look at movies sometimes as modern day parables, Jesus spoken stories. And so with that, um, we're going to, I'm going to play the trailer and we'll announce our winner. Some of you will know real quickly who the winner is. Um, again, a reminder. To those watching online, live, we cannot show clips. Uh, we legally are bound to make sure that we don't show those. You will hear audio if you're watching online, but you will not see the, uh, the clips themselves. We do apologize for that, but there is no license to stream um, uh, copywritten um, movies and that kind of thing. So, um, so with that said, we ready? Can we bring the lights down? All right, let's bring them down and show the trailer. Let's uh, start with where you're from. Calcutta. Which part? I'm adopted. I'm not really Indian. <laughs> I'm starting to remember. Saru, you're a beautiful boy. You're very proud of yourself. A life I'd forgotten. Are you okay? I had another family. A mother. A brother. I can still see their faces. What happened? I have to find my way back home. How long were you on the train? A couple of days. A couple of days. It would take a lifetime to search all the stations in India. Do you have any idea what it's like? How every day my real brother screams my name. I always thought that I could keep this family together. I need you, Saru. What if you do find home and they're not even there? And you just keep searching? I don't have a choice. What was she like? Beautiful.
imagine that I'm walking those streets home and I know every single step of the way. And I whisper in her ear, I'm here. How many of you saw the movie Lion? What an awesome movie that was. And Jerry, you got it. I think the last vote, one of the last votes that was made, I, I didn't think anybody was going to get it. So I didn't pick up anything to give away. And all of a sudden last night, Jerry sent it through and I said, Shauna. And she actually made a mad dash for Malco Theater, $25 gift card. Malco movie. Lion, that is our movie, and I'm going to use that this week. And let me tell you a few things. Lion is a, uh, is a true story, and everything I've read, it's actually a very accurate story. Now, obviously, it's, it's, um, it's from his point of view. The young man, his name is, well, young man, he's in his 30s or 40s today, but, um, but his name is Saru, and he wrote a book uh, about, about exactly what happened to him. Uh, Lion received six Oscar nominations at the 89th Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Adapted Screenplay. It, was only, it only cost $12 million to make and made $140 million in the, uh, in the theaters. Did, did very well. And so, uh, so this movie, Lion, I actually, I did not see it in the movies. I just saw it a, a few, actually several weeks ago for the first time. But, um, but as I said, Lion is a true story. It's very accurate uh, from what I understand. But my take on this movie, this movie is really about identity. Everybody say identity. And that's actually what I want to talk about today. I'm, I'm calling today, Who Am I? Everybody asks that question, Right? Who am I? And have you ever, how many of you have ever heard the, the who am I riddles that they do out there? The, I, I just looked up a couple real quick. See if you can answer this. I'm a, I have rivers but no water, forests but no trees, and cities but no people. Who am I? Who said it? Uh, Danielle got it. A map. I go all around town but never go inside. Who am I? A car, a street. I have a face and arms, but I have no nose, ears, mouth, eyes, or body. Who am I? A clock, right. I have a tongue that can't speak, eyes that can't see, and a soul that can't be saved. A shoe, that's right. Who am I? It's a question that we all ask. And here's something I got to thinking about the other day. This is all about identity. Identity is very important. One of the reasons I know why, identity today is very valuable. And you know that if you're one of the 7 million consumers who had their identity stolen last year. How many of you would raise your hand and say, yep, that was me. Come, Nobody had their identity stolen? Dude, my mom and dad would be up with both hands. Uh, they, they both like multiple stuff. They're still trying to deal with that. 7 million consumers experienced identity theft last year. There was a victim every two seconds in 2017 of identity theft. I read something the other day said, with your full name, birth date, and social security number, a thief can readily complete and file a fraudulent tax return and claim a tax refund in your name even if you didn't have a refund coming. 
There were over 1,000 corporate data breaches in 2016. 36 million records were breached. This means you did nothing wrong. And 36 million breaches. Uh, there was 36 million uh, record breaches. In 2017, over a four, 140 million hours were spent by identity theft victims trying to solve their issues. How many would say, just based on that, identity is very important and it's very valuable? I looked up the word identity. Identity means a condition or, a condition or character as to who a person is, the qualities, beliefs, etc., that distinguish or identify a person. A sense of self providing sameness and continuity in personality over time. This is our identity. So the age-old question is, who am I? And if you want to follow along, you can follow along on the YouVersion app. The, the notes should be on there right now. You can follow along. You should have a note sheet in your service guide. You can follow along on there as well. But I'm going to give you three points today. And number one is searching for identity is a natural part of life. Searching for identity is a natural part of life. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump in and, as for an example and use the first movie clip. And in this clip, uh, we've got Saru. You saw him in the trailer. If you haven't seen the movie, Saru is five years old, and we see him on a train with his, uh, with his older brother. He has a teenage brother. And they are going, they're trying to find work because the two of them are basically supporting their mother and, uh, and sister. So here's Saru at five years old. His brother has a lead on a job. He tags along with his brother to go try and help with this. And so that's where this first clip takes off. Go ahead. मेरी गलती थी तुझे यहाँ पे लेके आया रात के काम के लिए बहुत तू छोटा है इतनी रात में तू काम कर ही नहीं सकता Good do. Good do. 
गुड्डू गुड्डू So we've got Gadu here, uh, Sadu, Saru, gosh, <laughs> Saru, um, <laughs> gosh, um, five years old, following his big brother around. Um, you saw what happened. He falls asleep and, and got left in the train station. I, I won't spoil it. You'll find out later what happened to the brother, but um, on, uh, actually on Wednesday if you come to see the movie, but um, but he steps on the train, and um, later you find out that he was on that train for two days as a five-year-old in, in an empty train car. And uh, when they finally opened the doors, he was in Calcutta, and he was 930 miles from home. And as a five-year-old, he, no, I mean, he has no idea what that even means, no, no concept of distance. Uh, he was illiterate. He couldn't pronounce the name of the town he was from. He didn't even know his mother's name. When asked, all he could say was mama. Uh, on top of all that, he spoke Hindi uh, when he was in a city that spoke Bengali. So what do you do? So, you know, we talked, um, we talked a couple weeks ago when we, were, when we prayed for the graduates and we showed the greatest showman. We're talking about how we all have those moments in life where we're looking ahead and life is kind of looming and scary and, you know, for the first time, we're trying to discover who we are and where we're going. Y'all remember that, that time in life when you realized that, that you know, you, it was time for you to make it on your own? You had to make your way. And, you know, we have to begin to pursue purpose. And we can't be comfortable riding our parents' coattails any longer. We're responsible for our lives. And we don't even know what that looks like. How do you remember that kind of scary moment? Kind of put a knot in the pit of your stomach looking ahead. And really, this is about identity. And, you know, it's funny because some people, especially believers, sometimes feel guilty for even searching for identity. But it's a normal thing. I would suggest that it's a good thing because many times it's that search that actually draws us to God. We don't know who we are. We don't know where we're going. We don't know our purpose. We don't know where we came from. We don't know what we're supposed to do. Many times, that's what brings us to the Lord. So, you know, with that, I was thinking that 
many times people, you know, are searching for identity. And maybe they go to somebody from the church and say, you know, I, 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 I'm trying, I, I need to know who I am, what, what my identity is. And people just give the answer, well, brother, just trust God. You belong to Jesus. Have you know we need a little more than that? And the problem, too, with just giving that answer is that sometimes it can make us feel guilty like we don't have enough faith. Like, if you had enough faith, you would know who you are. And so then we feel bad for searching. I would say that searching is not a bad thing at all. Actually, I would go as far, I thought of this the other day, I would go as far as to say I believe sometimes there's more faith in searching than in not. Because at least you're affirming the fact that you don't know it all, and you're affirming the fact that there, that, and you recognize the fact that there may be more from your, for your life than what you have ever thought of. The search is a good thing. Um, man, I just totally went to a different page. Um, you remember how we talked about how when we get to a place in our life sometimes where we can see the future in front of us, we have the plan, we have the dream, and we're ready to truck forward? Many times what happens? Life comes along and knocks us on our bum, right? Y'all remember the first time that life really knocked you down. You thought you had it all together. You thought you had the answer. You knew where you were going. Everything's going to go right now. I've got God's plan. And you're running forward and full steam ahead and bam, you're on your backside. You just got smacked with the real world. Who's been smacked with the real world before? Real life. Uh, with this point, I'm, I'm going to jump in. I've only got four clips today I'm going to show you. But I'm going to jump right on into the next clip real quick uh, that I want you to watch. And um, actually, I'm, I'm, this kind of shows what happened with Saru after he got to, to Calcutta. But go ahead and, and, and show this clip right quick, Charles.
got here that Saru's being tossed around uh, from place to place, doesn't know where he is, doesn't know what he's supposed to do, doesn't know where he's, uh, where he's going, and really the circumstances of life are just further confusing him, especially for as young as he is. Um, he lives on the streets for a, few, for a while. Um, any of you who know anybody that's been to India, you know that street kids in India, that's a, that's a really big, that's a big problem. Um, we know that, uh, that you saw the guys that showed up and started grabbing kids. Uh, they were grabbing kids for child, child slavery, uh, for sex trade, different things like that. That's a real problem in India, even, even today. Um, he is eventually taken in by a woman, um, but doesn't stay with her long uh, because uh, you'll, you'll see if you watch the movie, there's a few creepy things there, and he runs for his life and, and um, ends up, somebody does end up helping him out, and, and he, gets, um, he gets put into an orphanage, an orphanage where they basically rent kids out for the night for nefarious purposes. And um, thank goodness he is eventually uh, adopted by a good Australian family. Um, in this, you know, it kind of got me thinking, you know, in spiritual parallel, I was, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about identity in this, and, you know, I thought about Moses. You know, Moses, as an infant, is suddenly thrust into a new household, right? And so he probably didn't really even know anything different. You imagine as a young man, he, young man, he probably thought this was going to be his life. He imagined that he'd be royalty until the day that he died, he didn't expect anything different. Um, he basically had it made. And I can just imagine when the time came that, that he began discovering things, began finding out who he really was. He begins this internal conflict and struggling, try, struggling with where his loyalties lie. And then, of course, you know, we know that, um, that he ends up killing an Egyptian that was, that was beating a Hebrew. And he ends up running for his life and I would suggest even running from his problems. And runs to a foreign land and starts over, starts a, starts a new family and lives there for years and years and established and probably once again thinks he knows where he's at and where he's going to live the rest of his life. I'm good now. I'm away from the problems. Got my family. I'm going to live here until all of a sudden God spoke through a burning bush, right? And showed him even more. There's more to your life than you know. There's more to your purpose than you know. And Moses had to make a decision in that moment, if he was going to, uh, he was going to move forward. And how many of you know that the road of life can be absolutely relentless in its twists and turns? How many of you have ever felt like you've been at a place where you just could never get a break? One thing happens, and another thing happens, and another thing happens, and another thing happens, and you're going, I just want to breathe for a second so that I can know where I'm going and what I'm supposed to do and what the next step is. Sometimes life is absolutely relentless. And, you know, one thing about those moments is they make us start questioning our identity again. Am I going the right direction? Do I have what it takes? You know, you know the best time to invite somebody to receive Christ? A funeral. Really. They're questioning everything. Questioning their mortality. Who am I? What is my, where am I in my standing with God? Am I making a difference? Where am I going? Where am I going to end up? It's a great time. They're already asking all those questions. It's those trials of life that make us stop and question our identity again. Remember how we talked about trials last week? Trials will come. We're going to go through rough times. Because what do they build in us? Perseverance. Perseverance builds character. No, there's one in between. Hope character, and character produces hope. Those things are built within us through 
the trials. So I would say with this point in mind, questions can be a great thing. And of course, sometimes we don't really want the answers to questions. Sometimes we don't really want to know the full depths of our identity because I think sometimes down deep inside, we know it's not going to be what our flesh wants. But here's the reality. If we really want answers and we diligently seek them, if we really want to know our identity and we really seek, we're going to find it. God's not hiding anything. It's not a bad thing. That's my number one point. Searching for identity is a natural, point, natural part of life. So here's my balance, number two. Number two, we can't be self-consumed. We must be God-consumed. This is the flip side. Now, today we talk about identity, and one of the first things, if you type in identity in Google, one of the first things that's going to come up is identity crisis. Everybody knows identity crisis. How many of you would, would probably agree with me that our society today is suffering from identity crisis? How many of you would agree with me today that the church of Jesus Christ is suffering an identity crisis? If we knew who we were, the world would be a very different place. If just half the church stood up knowing who they were in Christ, the world would be absolutely turned upside down. I read in psychology today, it said, in psychology, the term identity crisis means a failure to achieve ego identity. Ego just simply means self. To achieve self-identity through adolescence. The term was coined through, by German psychologist Eric Erickson. The stage of psych, psychosocial development in which identity crisis may occur is called identity cohesion versus role confusion. During this stage, adolescents are faced with physical growth, sexual maturity, and integrating ideas of themselves and about what others think of them. Adolescents therefore form their self-image and endure the task of resolving the crisis of their basic ego or self-identity. Successful resolution of the crisis depends on one's progress through the previous developmental stages centering on issues such as trust, autonomy, and initiative. And I would suggest, it's talking in here about adolescents, but I would almost say more people than not today are suffering from identity crisis. Would you guys agree with that? Today, people are so consumed with the search, who am I? I'm just trying to find myself. Uh, right? That we've got 20 and 30 and 40-year-olds that are accomplishing nothing in life. Nothing. Because all they're trying to do is find themselves. Saru, in this movie, Saru ends up, he grows up, like I say, he's adopted by this Australian family, and uh, he, he grows up and does real well. He goes off to college. Uh, he studies, uh, I think he's in, in hotel management and such, and um, he, he meets a girl, and everything seems to be going well until what I saw in him is that he becomes very self-consumed with finding his identity. And so let's watch this. Next clip right quick. Is that your dad? Is that how you dance? Oh 
Karan. Lucy. This is right before things started really getting rough uh, for him. He's grown and searching for where he came from. And hopefully you hear me. The search isn't a bad thing. The problem is, um, as you heard his girlfriend say on there, you can't keep going on like this. Um, he gets to the point where he doesn't sleep anymore. And he won't receive help from anybody. And his relationship breaks down and falls apart with his girlfriend. And his relationship with his parents and his brother breaks down because he's so consumed with this search, he's self-consumed self with it. When we get consumed with our self-identity, how many of you know that things begin to fall apart? Um, and, you know, it's not, just, it's not just young people. How many of you remember, I, I talked about for a minute at the, at the men's breakfast yesterday, how many of you dads, talking about Father's Day, how many of you remember how scary it was being a dad for the first time? You're questioning, will I be, will I be a good father? Will I make good decisions? Do I have what it takes? Will I be and a good example, can I, can I do this? Have you ever been, been that parent or known that parent that constantly bails their adult child out over and over and over and over and over and over again? It gets to the point where it's not about the child. It's about your own self-identity. I've heard, I've heard people, usually it's mothers, that'll say, well, what am I supposed to do? I can't just let my kid fall down. What am I supposed to do? What do people think of me as a mother? Exactly. It's about your identity. We try and disguise it that it's, about, it's all about my deep love. No, it's about your identity. Have you ever known somebody or maybe you have gone through a midlife crisis? Midlife crisis is about identity. Where have I come from? Have I made a difference? Am I going anywhere? Who am I? Who do people see me as? Here's the problem with that. It's all about self-identity. Self-identity is the recognition of one's potential and qualities as an individual, especially in relation to social context. You know the problem with self-identity? Self. It's all about self. The search, the good search becomes about how I feel, who I think I am, how I look, how I think people view me all about self. We ask those questions instead of asking, who am I in Christ and what is his purpose for me? Miranda, I told you I was going to call you out today. Come here. 
Come here. Yeah. Get some tissues. How many of you love Miranda? I love this woman. Let me tell you. This woman has suffered her life with identity crisis. Would you agree with that? I was talking to Ron the other day, and I said, I recognize all the struggles and trials that y'all have walked through is about self-identity. How of you know, this woman in the last few months has been through a radical change in her life. I'll even give an example. Back last fall, I don't know if you remember this conversation, but you made a comment to me that you had made a hundred times before. And you said, Rob, I love my kids. I love my kids. And I said, who are you trying to convince, me or yourself? You found your identity now. You wouldn't believe the turnaround of what's happened. Some of you know a little bit of the story about what's happened in her life over the last several months. But she just found out she's actually starting, actually started yesterday, and is helping manage Breakthrough House for Warrior Ministries. She's there almost every morning helping lead devotionals with the ladies in that, in that house. She's keeping them in line, making sure they don't bring anything in they're not supposed to, smacking them around. <laughs> but you talk, I've seen those ladies, and I talked to them, and they love Miranda. She has found her place. She's found her identity. She's found what God has called her to. And for the first time in her life, she's going to find satisfaction. She's going to find peace that she'd never found before because she was looking so many different other places. You found it, haven't you? It's that identity. Your identity is not about you. You're not finding it. You're not trying to find it in your husband. You're not trying to find it in your kids anymore. You're not trying to find it in people around you. I found it. You found it. My self-worth. Found it in God. That's right. When we spend a lot of time talking about ourselves as believers, then really we've missed the point. Searching is a good thing, but when it consumes us, we've fallen into a trap. If we spend our whole life desperately searching for our purpose, and we go to the grave searching for our purpose, then what was the point? There comes a point where we've got to get rid of the self part. Man, it's almost time to close. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, listen to this, as the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous appearance, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanders, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags. I love that. There's a lot of those today. Addicted to lust and allergic to God. How many of you would say, we have reached the end times? But I want to focus there at the beginning. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, and this is what it's all about. There comes a point where we have to move forward with, with what God has placed in our hands, even if we don't know what the next step is. There's certain things that he has already given us that we have to hold on to as our identity, and we have to move forward in that, even if we can't see what's beyond it. With that said... We will spend our entire lives getting new revelation of who we are in Christ. That's identity. We will spend our entire lives getting more revelation of who we are in Christ. We'll get more revelation of our purpose and even more revelation that God will show us of the hidden things down in the deep recesses of our hearts. This is a lifelong thing. 
So we can't be consumed with anything except for our Savior. Because until we look to Jesus, we're going to be lost. So what can we be assured of? My last point. What can we be assured of when it comes to our identity? Number three, write in your notes, God chose you. Everybody say, God chose me. me. Write it down. We're going to watch the last clip right quick. Saru, basically, he's lost his girlfriend. He's struggling in school. He's not sleeping. He's broken down his relationship with his parents. And in this clip, he goes back home to see his mom, his, his adopted mom. So let's watch this last clip. John heard Mantosh is out on the boat. Doing the lobster run. It's due back tomorrow. So it'll be flush for cash back on the hard stuff. Sorry you couldn't have your own kids. What are you saying? I mean, we weren't blank pages, were we? Like your own would have been. We weren't just adopting us, but our past as well. And I feel like we're killing you. I could have had kids. What? We chose not to. We wanted the two of you. That's what we wanted. We wanted the two of you in our lives. That's what we chose. (laughs) It's one of the reasons I fell in love with you, Dad. Because we both failed, I'd say. The world has enough people in it. And we're guaranteed we're going to make anything better. But to take a child that's suffering like you boys were, give you a chance in the world, that's something. I bet you never imagined it being this hard. It's not a matter of hard. It's not a matter... (sighs) There's only one path for me. And that's how I think it. That's how this happened. So Saru feels like he'd been a burden and like he's killing his mom uh, with what he's going through and what he's, his search and all that. But she makes that choice. He, he thought that she couldn't have children. That's why she adopted him and, and his adopted brother. And she said, we could have had children. We wanted you. We chose you. And that's my third point. God chose you. Our worth should be found in the price that Jesus paid, and our identity should eternally be found in him. So the question then, we've got to stop asking who, I, who am I with this self-identity kind of mindset. We've got to start asking who am I as a follower of Jesus. 
Who am I in the family of God? And I'm going to give you a couple things. Can y'all stick with me for a couple more minutes? Man, I know I'm going over here just a little bit. But who am I? I'm going to give you a few things real quick and write down in your note sheet. But what can you put your, what can you trust in? If you don't know your identity, you don't know where you're going, you don't know what you're good at, you don't know what you're supposed to do, what can you trust in? Number one, as a believer, you can trust in the fact, number one, that you're saved. If you have repented, if you've turned from your sin, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, then bank on it. You belong to him. And I'm going to give you scriptures here for just a minute, but Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all are led by the Spirit of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Romans 8.1 from the New Living says, So now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That is your identity. You belong to him. Second thing, identity. You are unconditionally loved. I think it's B on your, on your sheet there. You are unconditionally loved. Zig Ziglar was quoted saying, the, the greatest single cause of poor self-image is the absence of unconditional love. One who is in Christ should never be lacking in self-image. Why? Because we are surrendered to Christ, and his image is now our image. When we look in the mirror, it's Jesus. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus. That is our identity in him. Here's the proof of it, the proof that God, we're unconditionally loved. Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I don't buy into the fact that God doesn't unconditionally love us. Yes, he does. When we rejected him, when we denied him, he still, even God knowing everything, even knowing that there were some that would never turn to him, he still laid down his life for him and made a way. Doesn't mean that all of us are going to make it to the pearly gates. Doesn't mean that at all. But it means he loved us enough to make a way so that we could respond and we could come back to him. Romans 5, 8, uh, I'm sorry, um, 1 John 4, 9 and 10, God loved us so much. Um, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So we can bank on the fact that we belong to God and we're saved. We can bank on the fact that we're unconditionally loved. See, you have purpose. You're not a cosmic accident. This is your identity. You have purpose in God. Exodus 9, 16. But I have spared you for a purpose. How many of you know that God has spared your life? He has spared my life. I know it. He has spared your life for a purpose, to show my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. Isaiah 42, 6, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you and give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them, and you will be a light to guide the nations. What a promise that is. Philippians 2:13. for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I thought that was awesome. How many of you have been in a place where you're down and you feel alone and you've had to actually pray the prayer, God, I want 
I want to want you more. Anybody ever been there? I, maybe I'm alone. But you've been at that place where you were just low and kind of down and out, and you're like, God, give me, give me more desire. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We've got to trust a minute that we have purpose, and he will even give us the desire if we seek him. Last thing I want to mention in your identity, D, you can endure and overcome. We talked last week about the trials of life. They will come. God, Jesus didn't come to save us from the trials of life, but he'll sure enough walk you through them. There are plenty of people, things, and circumstances that will attack us. They will seek to destroy us and cut us down. But in Christ, we have the ability to keep on striving, to keep working, and continue to be victorious regardless of what comes against us in every circumstance. I want to read this, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death and gives gives the law and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not in heaven. That's right now. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. Everybody say strong. Be immovable. Say immovable. It says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Why? Because you have purpose. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Last scripture, 1 John 5, 4 and 5. Because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world. It's our faith. And who is the one who conquers the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You can bank, regardless of where you're at in your search, regardless of where you're at, you can bank on the fact that if you've received Jesus, you've repented and surrendered to him, that you're saved and you belong to him, that you are unconditionally Uh, unconditionally loved, that you have purpose, and that you can make it. You can endure, and you can overcome no matter what life throws your way. Let me finish by saying, as I mentioned, we will spend our entire lives getting more revelation of our identity and who we are in Christ, more revelation of what he has for us, more revelation of our purpose, more and more revelation of our identity. But we've got to focus on what God says and our, find our worth and our identity in him. Can anybody say amen? amen? Before I close, I want to do this. I want the ushers, sorry, I didn't give you any heads up. I want you to pass those out real quick. Because, guys, this is huge. This is one of the greatest things our society is suffering from is this loss of self-identity. And I'm going to pass out these cards to you guys. I, I found this somewhere. I actually don't remember where it came from. I had it saved in my, in, in, on my computer. But I want to give you guys these cards. And this is, I just put at the top, my statement of worth. And they're getting that out to everybody real quick. If, as they come by, if you don't get one, lift up your hand real, so, so they can get it to you. There you go. Anybody else don't, doesn't have one? Everybody got them? Okay. 
Here's what we're committing to. From this day forward, I will find my self-worth on what God says about my value to him. My purpose in this life is his purpose for me. My strength to fulfill his will is found in his immeasurable power. I acknowledge that this understanding can only be unquestionably found through his word, the Bible. I will place this statement of worth in my own pocket rather than the pocket of others because my estimated net worth as a human being is eternally beyond human comprehension. How many of you will make that the statement of worth of your life? Sign your name to it. Put it in your pocket. Guys, you are so valuable. I want the worship team to come on back up after you. Y'all take care of that. Once you complete that, once you sign that, stick in your pocket and let's stand up together. Let's bow our heads. First and foremost, when it comes to our statement of worth, if we're going to commit to our purpose in life being his purpose for us, then we've got to acknowledge him as Lord of our lives. So with every head bowed, if you're here and you would say firstly that you recognize that your life is not surrendered. God, surrendered means that you no longer live for yourself. This isn't just a, a simple prayer that you repeat real quick. This is beyond that. That's not what salvation is. Y'all have heard me mention it many times before, but nowhere in the Bible did anybody lead someone to receive Jesus. They simply made the decision that Jesus is going to be Lord of my life, and they followed him from that day forward. It became the confession of their mouth. They repented of their sin. They turned away, and they followed him with everything that they are, everything that they were. So first and foremost, you may find that you're standing here, and you don't have, any, you, you don't have that sense of worth. You don't have that sense of value. Why? Because Jesus isn't Lord of your life. You may have never made him Lord of your life, or maybe you have, but you recognize that he's not really Lord. You prayed a prayer once, but you haven't surrendered. You haven't repented. Guys, this is your moment. If that's you with every head bowed and you would say, I've got to make a change today. I need to see myself the way God sees me. I've got to stop seeing my failures. I've got to see myself through God's eyes. I need Jesus to truly be the Lord of my life, to lead me and guide me. If that's you, lift up your hand so I can see this morning. Who would say that's me? There's one. Anybody else would say, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life today. All right. We're going to pray this prayer together. And the Bible says if you mean it, look, it's, again, it's not about the prayer. It's not about the prayer. This is about the position of your heart. Are you making the decision that you're willing to turn from everything else in your life that's contrary to God? You're willing to do whatever he says. You're willing to surrender, to throw up your hands and say, I'm done with it all. God, I will follow you every day of my life. I'll do things your way. I know I won't be perfect, but I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to listen to you. And I'm going to make the changes that need to be made. And I'm going to be a blessing to others. And I'm going to see others as more valuable than myself. And I'm going to be completely surrendered to you. It's all about that position of your heart. So as we pray this together, if you mean it, the Bible says you become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Doesn't mean things all of a sudden get easy. It just means the creator of the universe takes your hand and walks with you. And let me tell you, that makes all the difference in the world.
Let's pray this together. Everybody say, Dear God, I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. I'm sorry for being consumed with what people think of me. I am sorry for finding my worth in everything but you. I'm sorry for thinking I knew what was best. But I thank you for making a way. I thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to die in my place, to take my sin, to take my shame, to take my guilt, to make a way back to you. Jesus, I call you Lord of my life. I will follow you from this day forward. I surrender my dreams. I surrender my way of thinking. I surrender my assumed future. I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be everything you've called me to be. Lord, I will follow you all the days of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand this morning. Folks, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to wrap up. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come on down to the sides. And let me say this. Identity, again, identity is huge. This could be a conference. This could be books. One Sunday is not enough. But here's what I know. I know that many, if not most of us, are struggling with identity. Your identity is found in Him. Stop looking at everything else. He chose you. He adopted you. He made you his very own. Stop questioning if you're enough. You are enough. Not because of, 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 of this physical body, but because he dwells within you. Because he is your strength. Because he walks with you. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.